1: I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now,
0: here's your host, Tara Kennedy-Klein. takes a village to pay the bills in this freaking studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with the work of these
2: sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Togenet.com. This is the TokiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's Marching Network.
3: Did you ever wonder about the origin of Murphy's Law? You know the maxim that if anything can go wrong, it will. Murphy's Law was named after Captain Edward A. Murphy, an engineer working at Edwards Air Force Base in 1949. Captain Murphy was working on a project designed to measure how much sudden deceleration a human could stand in a crash. After discovering a transducer constructed for the experiment was wired wrong, Murphy squabashed the technician responsible by exclaiming, If there's any way to do it wrong, you'll find it. In other words, circumvent mistakes and miscavables before they happen. Aerospace manufacturers began quoting Murphy's Law to their engineers, and soon it became an eponym. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
0: Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents.
1: Clean my house? (laughs) It's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken
0: and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now,
1: back to the show. For every person. They've got kids their own age in civics classes debating with them. And telling them that they're wrong for what they want.
4: But hold on a second. But so is it wrong to have a debate? Is it a terrible thing?
1: It's not a terrible thing until you start calling people names. Yep. And start telling them that they're stupid. And so that's where it gets
4: ugly. But look, this is a microcosm of what's happening on the political stage, right? Mm -hmm. So Donald Trump calls people names, calls people stupid, right? He does exactly that. And what do the other politicians do? They react, they respond, they tune in, they counterattack, they use similar tactics, if you will, to defend. And it's exactly what you're talking about, right here in the in the smaller classroom world. And, and again, what we're feeling to do is to say, you know, you can be that way. You can show up that way. I'm not matching you. I'm not meeting you where you are. I'm entitled to an opinion, and I can express why that opinion is a valid opinion and, and, and kind of move along, carry on my way. Mm-hmm. Except that we get, again, very distracted by other people's opinions, other people's views, other people's attacks, when really it, it counts as, a, as an attack when we're there to take it and when we're there to get the beating. Mm
5: -hmm. But if
4: if someone's punching into empty air, into empty space, we're not there to receive it. And so, you know, there's a great amount of attention on contrary opinion. And we don't need to have that much opinion, uh, that much focus on contrary opinion. You know, the most, for me, the most
1: calming moment of that entire debate, I don't know if you watched it, was when one of the candidates was asked a question about another candidate, and he said, I'm not biting. Exactly. And went off on his own platform and agenda, and I went, I want him. I immediately was attracted to that person. Right. Who stood in his truth. So how can we, you you talk about it takes two to tango. Yeah. how can
4: we get our get our kids to stand more in their truth? So it's a myth. It takes two to tango is a myth. And what does that mean? It means that we believe that in order to create this beautiful dance, it requires two people to engage at the same exact level. We have to be in agreement. We have to be moving in the same direction. And that's not true. And this shows up in parenting. It shows up in marriages. It shows up in partnerships. That if one person starts to play differently, starts to use different movements by its very nature. The other person either says, I don't want to play that game, or they join in and start dancing a different dance. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, when when there's a bully, let's say in a classroom, who's calling someone names and uh, the student meets them, the bully has defined the dance. So it only took one person right? It didn't take two, it took one person. And so by that very same nature, your child can say, I'm not going to do that dance. I'm going to go do a different dance. And you can join me or you can go do something else. It's up to you. Right. And so this whole concept of it takes two to tango is a myth. And if you want to create a different dynamic in a relationship, it's up to you to take the first steps. I love that
1: so much, Kim. I can't even tell you. Because I have so many parents that come to me and say, you know, I can't, I can't discipline my child the way I want to or I can't get my family to rally around my ideas because my partner isn't in sync with me. We have developed this culture that um, you have to be a united parenting team. But when when one person is toxic in that relationship, it takes the parent that has the, the passionate idea of growth and moving forward to just say, that's
4: where I'm going. Well, and, and I'm going to just kind of stop you for a minute. You, what you said was, you know, I talk to a lot of parents who want to discipline their children. And so I will say to you that one of the, and, and you might disagree with me here, and that's okay, but I think that that's a, a big mistake, is that our job isn't to discipline our children. We didn't, we didn't give birth to children so that we can discipline them. I,
1: yeah I see what you're saying I look at discipline in a different way I I term it as a from the term disciple so to lead to, lead, you know, okay. a, right. So, you know, but I even, even to...
4: leadership is confusing for parents. Mm-hmm. What is leadership? The greatest yes. form of leadership is modeling behavior. Let me give you a little story because I love stories and I think they're very demonstrative. Um, one of my clients came to me one day and he said, you know, there, I had an incident with my seven year old daughter. I said, what happened? He said she went to sleep over at a friend's house. And when my wife picked her up and we, they were leaving the 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 mom said say thank you and the daughter said I'm not saying thank you I didn't have a good time um and I said so what did you do he said I flipped I went berserk (laughs) I yelled at her I sent her (laughs) to a room I punished her I took away tv for a week I don't know you know this whole life and I was like wow um, so, you know, basically she wasn't happy and she expressed it and you're not happy and you expressed it too. guess who she's learning from. Right. <laughs> That's number one. Number two is, you know, next time she has a negative feeling, she's certainly not going to share it with you because you just shut her right down. So, what you know, did something happen there? Like, why would she leave feeling that way? And you wouldn't leverage the opportunity to understand what just happened and what took place. Exactly. But the thing is that we model the behavior that our kids demonstrate. Yes. And so when somebody in the world isn't behaving exactly as we want them to, that's our cue to say we can stomp, we can storm, we can yell, we can rave, we can, uh, the old terminology, we can discipline, we can punish, okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and we're justified in doing so. And so, you know, w- w- as parents, we get trapped And we don't know how to deal with our kids when they're not behaving exactly as we want them to behave. Exactly. So what can we do?
1: Well, what can we do when one parent is that guy and you're absolutely
4: not that mom? Well, again, you know, par- parenting, and 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 I'll, I'll use this funny terminology, parenting is about the parent. It's not about the child. If it were about the child, it would be called childing. So why is it about the parent? It's, it's, parenting is about self-management, managing oneself when the world around you isn't functioning exactly the way you want it to. That could be your children or your spouse or your partner or whoever. Exactly. It's about self-management. So when your kid is having a temper tantrum, for example, you have a choice. A lot of people choose to join them and scream <laughs> at them and yell at them and say, you can't, you know, I'll give you something to, to scream about, to cry about, right? They join them rather than say, okay, you're having a temper tantrum. I'm going to go do something else until you're done. And that's self-management. That's self-care. It's so funny that you say that, Kim, because the
1: people are astonished that my kids I can remember exactly one time either of my kids having a temper tantrum one time. And it's because my I had just given birth to my second son. So my first son was being brought into the hospital during nap time. He was hungry and he had a temper tantrum. It's, you know, whatever. But every single time that happened, I would start being becoming so interested in something else around us in that moment that they couldn't help but go, "Hey, what are you so interested in?" Right?" And it like and you know it, I think to myself that it's so easy. It's so easy. So I think that it's funny that like to kind of bring this conversation full circle when we see things like tempers flaring in classrooms around things like voting, which our kids can't even participate in, um, or we see tempers flaring on a TV screen and we immediately go to social media and start throwing our own temper tantrums, um, it almost feels like the best thing that we can do is turn our energy to something else that's more positive.
4: Well, again, it's the whole basic premise that you need to turn your energy to that which you want. And so, you know, you talked about our prime minister, the prime minister in Canada. Why did he win? Because he was really focused on his platform. He, You know, I mean, he got a beating. You know, they called him inexperienced. They called him young. They talked about his beautiful hair, but that didn't make him a a formidable candidate. And so he was 100 percent the bottom runner he wasn't you know ahead of the game at all and he decided I'm not playing that game I'm focusing on my platform I'm focusing on building uh, a case that's built on hope rather than fear and that's yeah. exactly what he did he focused on the vision of what he was offering the country now you know again it's not that I you know uh, I like the fact that he's keeping his promises. And this is, for me, not a political conversation. It's simply a conversation of how much time we spend looking at what's wrong in the world and debating what's wrong, rather than saying, you know what, here's a way to make it right. Let's move in that direction. I love that.
1: Oh my gosh, Kim. So we're out of time, but I want everybody to know that they can go to your website, which is frameofmindcoaching.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim. We had a great time with you today. And when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Susan Verde about her book, Yoga for Kids. So stay tuned. Thank you.
0: And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist.
2: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
6: Living longer is a common byproduct of a healthy lifestyle, of daily exercise and low-calorie nutritious eating. Living a long life where you're able to be here and enjoy your loved ones is certainly an important prize. But the biggest reward for living a healthy life is greater well-being. Not only do you want to live long, you want to live well. Feeling good, having a positive outlook on life and increased energy are worthy goals and totally within your reach. No matter where you are today, no matter what the state of your health or energy level, you can take action now to make positive steps towards living a healthy life. Exercise gives you a better viewpoint and frankly, makes your life better. Live an active life and see your well-being soar. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents
1: clean my house (laughs) it's time to clean their house you know what it means if my house is clean i have big closets and a broken computer shaken
0: and stirred up with a twist from america's family advocate tara kennedy klein and now back to the show
1: Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so stoked to have our next guest on because I got her three books um, about a week ago, and Mm -hmm. they're just uh, so beautiful and so beautifully illustrated and just gorgeous, gorgeous, calming books for kids. Her name is Susan Verde, and uh, she wrote three books that I have in front of me. One is called The Museum, the other one's called You and Me, and the third is called I Am Yoga. Um, And she has a another book coming up called the water princess. And, um, the thing that I love about these books is they teach kids about yoga, but they also teach about mindfulness and, um, just really great, um, serendipitous situations that our kids find themselves in that maybe they wouldn't see the greatness in because they're so simplistic, which is the, the, the whole story behind You and Me. So, Susan, hi. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Tara. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the beautiful words about my books. I just love them. I thought they were so beautiful. And, you know, here's the thing. It wasn't just for me when I read the book You and Me. It reminded me of all of my friends that I still have to this day and how just one little change in that day may have meant that I didn't meet that person and so how lucky are we I know
5: right I know I think about that a lot even looking at my kids I think gosh if I had only sneezed on that day and maybe they all three wouldn't be here with me you know it's (laughs) it's those little tiny things
1: yeah it's so true it's so true and life is so life is so beautifully serendipitous if we appreciate it
5: I agree I just a matter of stopping and noticing, which you know, in this busy world, we don't always do. But but if we try, we can pick up on those great things.
1: And that's a big thing that you teach in your books—is mindfulness, right?
5: I, yes, I try. You know, I, I it's sometimes with you and me and the museum, it, it just sort of happens. Um, it's not totally intentional. With with I Am Yoga, it was a bit more intentional—the the mindfulness piece. Um, but it's it's interesting. You know, mindfulness is a word that's. I'm sure you know thrown around a lot these days Um, and when I work with children especially teaching them mindfulness and I ask them what it means to be mindful they all have these very interesting answers about you know sort of the external things that, that they should be paying attention to when really mindfulness is paying attention to your own experience
1: so I have to ask you you know, have to bring up the elephant in the room there, Susan, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> is that we're, as parents, we, we are leaning towards or migrating towards this parenting through mindfulness model. And yet we are parenting our children in a way that's creating the polar opposite of what we're preaching. We are externally motivating, extrinsically motivating our kids for things like sports and activities and grades and all of these things. Um, We are giving our kids pleasure through electronic sources, anti-social media. It seems like what we want and what we're propagating are completely opposite things. Yes.
5: You're right. You're right. It's really, really challenging um, to be a parent in in this world today because you're right. It is so much external. I think the best we can do right now is try and find a balance and, you know, hopefully sway everything more to the, the, the mindful side. But society is challenging. It doesn't, it's not set up to have us, you know, notice every little moment and every little connection. Um, We've got, like you said, all this technology and all the the grades and the the sports and the accolades and all the external motivation. So it's even more important, but, again, sometimes as a parent you do feel hypocritical. I mean, parenting is tough. So um, I think we just have to really try to strike a balance, at least for now, until we can – Hopefully, shift things in another direction.
1: So, the thing that I love about yoga is it really gets kids into their own bodies and heads. Yeah. And you do that beautifully through your book. It's very simple, it's poetic. You know, it's not long drawn out descriptions of yoga poses, it's beautifully illustrated poses with poetry, you know. <laughs> Um, and you. then in the, at the end of the book, in the back of the book, in the glossary, you describe each one of the poses. Right.
5: That was pretty intentional as well because um, I do, in addition to write, I teach children's yoga and mindfulness. And I didn't want to put out another book that um, was so instructional. And there's some wonderful kids' yoga books out there. But I really wanted to capture what I see the kids experiencing when I teach them it's so much about how they feel in their own bodies as they connect to their bodies and then they connect to the world around them. So that, that was the hope. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that it translated that way. Um, So yeah. And then Peter Reynolds, the illustrator just visually captured everything in such an incredible way. Um, I can't thank him enough
1: for that. It is very beautiful. Um, What I guess, one of the things that I thought was it seems to be a very female-centric book to me. It felt, you know, kind of girl-centric. Yeah. Do you have the same experiences um, through... Do you do you see as many boys engaging in yoga as you do girls?
5: Uh, I think it's still a little bit girl-dominated, which is so funny because, you know, yoga was... Begun by men, yogis. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Right, uh, and it's so funny. But um, and I do know that the book feels girly. I, you know, it's really hard to make a decision about what gender your main character should be. So I know there was a bit of a, a, a slant towards girls. Although I'm hoping boys can relate to it too. I am finding that boys are getting into it more and more. Um, first of all there's some amazing you know grown-up male teachers out there but also more athletes are doing yoga mm-hmm. um, so I think that helps attract the the boys and um, it, you know it's I, I hate to sound sexist in those in those uh, stereotypes but it really it really does help boys to connect when they know, you know their favorite football player or soccer player or whatever is doing yoga Um and I also think what helps boys get into it, and girls, but uh, I think uh, yoga can be awkward. You yes. Know, it's, it's awkward to ask somebody to get into these poses, and it's awkward to talk about mindfulness and ask kids to find their breath and do all these things. You know, It can feel a little esoteric and funny, and especially in the tween age group. Um, and I feel like if you embrace the awkward, if you acknowledge it, if you bring it to the forefront, kids, boys, they're more comfortable doing it.
1: So, Absolutely. Um, I'm yeah. so thankful. I went through, I did, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the, the exercise program P90X. Yes. My Tony God. Horton, oh. like the, the ultimate workout guy, you know, huh? he has an entire section in that program that's dedicated to yoga. And right. you know the fact of the matter is, it's such you burn so much, um, you you sweat and you you burn fat and you. It's hard. It, it really <laughs> is hard. Holding those poses is hard. Yeah, that's where planking came from. Exactly, it's hard, and you feel it in your muscles. I mean,
5: I, you know, kids will say, "Am I doing this right?" And I say, "Well, where are you feeling it?" You know. Oh, and my stomach, and my legs, and my okay. You got it. You're good. Like, you know, it's challenging. It's it's really it's it's and it's strengthening and it's stretching. I love it. I feel mm-hmm. like it kind of covers every area.
1: I do too. I think that yoga and martial arts, when done properly, are are in a very similar vein. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my kids were involved in martial arts and and sistema. If you've ever heard of sistema. Yes. Um, uh, my son was in sistema two years ago and he was at the peak of his wrestling when he was doing those programs. And since he has, since he stopped, he's still a good wrestler, but he does, he doesn't have the same body mind awareness. He doesn't have the same body mechanics and fluidity that he had. When he was in those programs, I think I think that a lot of schools we're hearing like schools want to integrate a yoga program and parents are are flipping out. They're like, don't bring your religion into my school. Yeah, it's not about that.
5: No, I've heard that many times and it, it still boggles my mind. It's not about that at all. It's about the mind body. Just what you were saying, the mind body connection. These kids are out of their bodies most of the day. Or they're sitting in a classroom, you know, trying to learn, trying to pay attention. They, they need to make these connections um, in, their, in their own selves, with their own minds, with their own bodies, in order to learn, in order to function. And, um, you know, like, like you started the conversation with the comment about um, we're in this world of, of overscheduling and technology and all these moments where kids are not in their bodies. And they
1: need it. They really need it. It's so true. And it's funny because um, the guest that was on before, Kim, um, we were having a conversation about tantrums. And I have a child on the autism spectrum who he, he would have meltdowns with, if you're familiar with the autism spectrum, but a yeah, tantrum and a meltdown right. are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. However, one of the most amazingly effective techniques or therapies that we taught him was yoga breathing.
5: Oh, I mean, it resets your whole nervous system. It does. It gives you something to focus on. Um, You know, it clears a path in your brain. I mean, for children on on all ends of the spectrum and then those who aren't, you know, the breath is sort of this incredible tool that's right there. It's always there that we can really use to, to help kids. Manage their emotions, manage their stress. Um, yeah, so that's amazing that you use that. Yeah, it's with
1: him, and he still does to this day. It's like you know how it's so funny because we keep going back to this the whole Republican debate. It keeps coming up. It's amazing, but when, it was really funny when Tom Cruise said to um, Ted Cruz, "Tom Cruise, if only if only it were Tom Cruise, right? Christ, you yeah." I right? just need another freaking movie star in the White House. That's what that is. But But when Ted Cruz said to Donald Trump, just breathe, I know it's hard, but just breathe. And right. then Rubio's like, when those two are done doing yoga over there, I'll tell you what, every single person on that stage could have stood to do some yoga in that moment. That's right. That's it's right. It's like, holy smoke. I know. it. I know it's, it. It's That's so funny. calming. And the thing is, they need more blood flow to their brains. Sure. That's Absolutely. true. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it it helps you think more clearly. It helps you think more calmly. Well, what and it's- happens is, you know, what happens is kids
5: get, um, when they're stressed, they, they go into this fight or flight mode.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: and then they uh, it secrete all these kind of stress hormones and all this stuff. And, you know, it interfe- interferes with their executive function. So they, they can't learn. They can't process. They can't think. They can only react. And all you have to do is tap into your breath. You know, it's not as easy as I'm saying, but if you learn to tap into your breath, you can change all of that in a moment.
1: You know, I'm going to tell you, Susan, it is as easy as all that. And let me tell you why. I had a kid who at nine years old was almost as big as me. I'm 4'10". I'm a small person. Mm -hmm. At nine years old was almost as big as me and would physically assault me when he would get upset. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: When I learned, when I could see him escalating and parent nation, you can see your kids when they're escalating. You know when it's happening. You can either meet them on that energy level and keep raising it or you can start breathing and calm yourself down and count your breath and look your kids square in the eye when you're doing it and I'm telling you they will match your energy level there too. You are so right. I'm so glad you said that because part of it is your own
5: mindfulness practice. Like, you, you, it's hard to parent a child that way without having your own uh, understanding of getting into your own breath because you know as a mom, when your kids are wigging out or, or being total pains, you know, you can lose it. And mm-hmm. you have to check in with yourself first before you can help them. And you're right. They match your energy. I, my daughter had a, actually had, was uh, getting very upset. She's a total perfectionist about her homework yesterday. She was stressing out. She missed something. She didn't get it. And she was hyperventilating. And I was trying to get her to breathe. Um, and what I did is I grabbed, I just ha- happened to have some like weird, you know, it wasn't weird, but it was a, uh, an essential oil, like a grapefruit flavor scent right next to me. And I just rubbed it in my hands really quickly and put it in front of her face and said, smell this. Mm-hmm. And she started breathing in through her nose. And then we were able to calm down. And then we were able to talk about it. It's but you amazing. know You got to use your, your own ability to, to remain calm in order to help them.
1: I couldn't agree more. So tell us where we can find your books, Susan.
5: Um, You can find all of my books. They are on um, Amazon. They are on um, IndieBound.com. They're Barnes & Noble. Um, They should hopefully be in all of your local bookstores. And you can always contact me at my my website is SusanVerde.com and my email is on there so if anyone has any questions or can't find something or just needs a tip you can reach out to me there
1: susan V-E-R-D-E dot e.com thank yes. you so much susan for thank you Terry. this is a- wonderful <laughs> i'm glad you had a good time I and did. i want to thank i want to thank our guest kim um Addis for joining us as well the mindfulness coach and parent nation don't forget to join us on the Facebook page we love to hear from you and we love to hear what you have to say so join us on Facebook like us on Facebook and until next week everybody keep playing Tara Kennedy Klein. Want more real talk for real parents? Seriously, Parent Nation, not every decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with
0: Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this.
1: Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling